This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is the awareness tipping point and dimension overdrive. Here to speak with me is Angus Robertson, who is the CMO at Chief Outsider, a company that helps mid-size and enterprise companies accelerate growth by providing fractional or part-time highly experienced marketing executives who work directly with the CEO, CMO, or CRO. Angus is one of 90 fractional CMOs at Chief Outsiders who help companies grow through effective marketing. He's also a volunteer for CompTIA. Previously, Angus was CRO at Axiant, EVP Marketing at Conversant, CMO at Inside Software and VP of Product Marketing at Spirant. When he isn't doing marketing stuff, he loves getting outdoors and spending time with family. Angus, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stefan. Great to be here. Now, Angus, before we, before we start talking about awareness and dimension, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in marketing and how did you end up where you are at the moment? Well, it was completely by accident. I'm actually a programmer or an IT guy originally. So I started off in programming and tech. I was obsessed with tech and I interviewed for an opportunity in the 2000s in Hawaii for a product manager position, which I actually thought was an engineering manager position. I was pretty clueless about marketing at the time. I really didn't know much of anything about marketing. And uh, before you know it, I had a product management position and managed to survive. But that was in the time of crazy hiring. And the year 2000, the company I joined doubled in, in revenue and didn't know what to do with uh, all the people uh, it needed to, to hire. So they got me. Interesting. So how did you end up at uh, Chief Outsiders? Yeah, so my background is more than 20 years of product marketing and product management. And I just love tech and the changes that are happening in tech and the disruption tech has relative to product market fit. It's always interesting and exciting. So I was in telecom for a while, then I ended up looking after marketing and sales and a few B2B SaaS startups. And then I got to the point where I joined Chief Outsiders, which was really exciting to me because it's an opportunity to really specialize in marketing. I get to work with 90 other CMOs who, for example, we have the ex-CMO of HP, of Starbucks, the lady who ran international marketing for Disney. And it's just a lot of fun to really dive deep into marketing and collaborate with other uh, marketing nodes. Well, interesting. Now, today we want to talk about awareness and dimension. How do you define awareness, Angus? Yes. So when I look at awareness, I think about uh, the target market. And one, do they know if you exist or not? Do they Have they heard of your brand? Are they aware of your brand? And then secondly, do they have an understanding of your value, what you stand for, what your value proposition is? Do they have an experience or a feeling for your brand? So uh, it's really those two things for your target marketing, for your target market. Do they know that you exist and do they know what you, what you stand for? 
I don't know if you remember, but uh, there was a time when you couldn't get fired for buying IBM. And uh, I think that's the goal for any company that you can get to the point where your personas and your target market know that they can be successful by investing in your solution. Hmm. Now, what's the what's the difference between um, you know as it comes to awareness for a company that's a startup and then something or a company that is already established? Um, do you see the approach to generate awareness differently there? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, actually this year I've had a little over ten clients I've worked with, and one of these clients is more than 500 million in revenue and they're very well known in their market. And when I came into working with them, they were quite concerned because they were very far behind their target pipeline production by tens of millions of dollars. And very quickly, within two to three months, we were able to turn that around and get them to the point where they actually exceeded their target by more than 2x. And I've never seen a turnaround that fast, but it's because of the brand equity and the established brand and all the hard work that had been done over more than a decade in establishing themselves as one of the, if not the leader within that market. At the same time, I was working with a startup, uh, less than 10 million in revenue, who had very little brand awareness, who hadn't invested in their brand, really had only focused on sales. And we tried a number of marketing tactics, and they all really didn't work out very well at all. I remember trying to promote this virtual event, and we got one registrant. So we pushed harder, and we managed to double that to two registrants. So essentially an object failure. So what I'd like to do in the startup world, if possible, because I focus a lot on B2B and software companies, is start with sales campaigns and direct outreach. So start to think about the market overall and then start to divvy up the market. I like Jeffrey Moore's approach where you look for personas with really distinct pain points And find that intersection point where you have a lot of value relative to that pain point. And then make sure those personas talk to each other. They need to be able to talk to each other because you only have so much marketing dollars to reach any one persona. So you want them talking to one another and talking about the value of what you provide. So pick that distinct group of people, that target market segment, and go after them with the sales campaign. So you have the list, you have the messaging you have the pain understood and you have the, the hook, the way of really engaging them. And then you can measure over time how effective you are at reaching that audience, engaging that audience, what channels work, what content, what messaging works, but really doubling down uh, relative to your bet and your hypothesis around product market fit. So that's more the approach I like to employ for a startup. Yeah, that's actually very interesting what you just said, because, you know, when we get engaged here by by startups, usually many of them, they just want to scrape the bottom of the barrel. They, they just want to go out, do dimension. And, and, and what usually happens if you if you really just, you know, invest on the on the bottom is that results are 
most likely not as good as they expect, right? If, if it is a product that is already existing where there's hype around it, that might be a little bit different. But if you have a product that needs explanation and, and that's a little bit more difficult to, to, to kind of introduce to a target audience, that usually, at least that's what we've seen, leads to challenges, you know, and, and that's where awareness is, is quite important, but you don't have the money to actually go out and do the awareness piece. You really need the dimension part to, to kick things into gear so that you can take parts of that, that, that revenue that's generated to do the awareness work. Um, is that, do you see that differently? No, I think you're exactly right. Because if you have a target market that doesn't know that they have a problem and they're not searching for a problem and they don't have budget to solve that problem, then it costs quite a lot of money and takes quite a lot of time to educate that market unless there's a defining event um, like the pandemic we just had or a new technology that uh, changes the landscape or a new regulation that changes how people think or, or consider. So it's more and more expensive to acquire a customer or new logo. There's so much infrastructure and there's so much globalization and technology available to companies that the competition has never been greater. It's never been harder to not only capture the eyeballs of a, and the attention of a prospect, but also engage because you're competing with so many other messages and so many other voices. So how do you stand out and, and engage, especially when that prospect you're trying to reach is busier than they ever have been? and more stressed than they ever have been. So uh, it's absolutely something that requires careful consideration. And many executives, to your point, they and investment firms, you know, VCs and private equity firms, they go straight for the sales team, right? You add more salespeople, you'll get more revenue. And then they go straight to the demand gen to create leads and pipeline. How many leads do you have? How much pipeline can you generate? But if only 10% of your market has any clue of who you are and has any appreciation of your value, you're not going to get very far. And it's going to be very expensive to acquire those new customers. And it's going to take uh, much longer than you want it to as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, especially when you have outside finance um, groups that are kind of, you know, venture capital company, angels, et cetera, that have put the pressure on the company to actually start selling or, or showing movements. That's where I feel like, you know, people focus even more on the, on the, on the, you know, lower funnel and thinking about how can we maybe at least move one level up into the consideration stage and, and, and kind of go to people that have identified a problem and now are looking for the best solution to alleviate the problem that they identified. I was just going to say one, one company I'm really impressed with and, and the tactic they took is, uh, Atlassian. They're now valued at a hundred billion dollars and they started with a $10,000 investment when the founders were, uh, university students in Australia. But they started off with the concept of wanting to build a remarkable product. In other words, a product that their audience, their market or their persona would remark upon. And they, focused on creating a frictionless experience with very transparent pricing and a freemium offering. And before you know it, you get a set of early adopters that are using this freemium product, deriving value from that product, sharing the product with their peers and throughout the enterprise, and it starts to catch. So 
that's another very cool topic in the or tactic within the realm of B2B SaaS that PLG or, or product-led growth and a great way. It, it obviously costs money because you have to build the product and it's a premium product, but allocating uh, dollars to a different approach for gener- generating awareness and demonstrating value. Yeah, yeah. Now, you touched already on it um, a few times um, during the last couple of minutes, but why does awareness really matter? I mean, if, if you have the money to, to, to invest in awareness, to, to make sure that people know you as a company, what you stand for, what your product is, your services, et cetera, why does it matter? How does it help your company to invest in that area? I think in particular within the world of B2B, brand is almost a, a dirty word. Many executives and investors don't want to hear about it, and they don't invest in it. They don't think about it. And so if you're not yourself understanding of your total available market, your serviceable, addressable market, and your obtainable market, and you don't have a clear idea of, one, how big that market is and who your target persona is, then you don't have a clear understanding of how effective your demand gen capabilities can be. And to me, it's amazing. And the companies I've worked for and also the clients I've worked with, that generally doesn't enter the equation. That thinking doesn't enter the equation. So I think for the savvy executive team and the savvy marketer, thinking about that at the beginning, how you're going to reach the audience, how that audience is going to grow to love and invest in you and your cause and your idea is really powerful. And I think because most of the market is not thinking that way, they're thinking about sales and demand gen, it's a way of setting your company apart and really quietly becoming quite powerful and the the company that owns the conversation. Now, once a company invests in, in awareness building, how do you advise them to measure the success of that activity? And also, how, how are those activities kind of weaving in with, with the dimension side? I think it's important to establish your addressable market. And I'm a fan of the concept of the CAPDB or the Customer and Prospect Database. And understanding what your total market is. And then within that market, where do you have the strength to absolutely differentiate and provide value? And how do those personas reach you? So establishing that baseline where you understand the potential and you uh, clearly understand where you're going to focus first, and you have some campaigns that clearly are designed to, from a content standpoint and from a activity and channel standpoint, to reach that targeted subset within that larger market, then it becomes much more manageable to see how effective you are at reaching reaching the audience and measure that over time. One of my favorite metrics is a concept called sales velocity, which is an equation that encompasses four variables. You have the number of leads or opportunities that you can generate within a certain period, You have the average deal size and the win rate. You multiply those three variables together and you divide by uh, the sales cycle, the length of the sales cycle. And so you can correlate 
your target market, you know, the personas and the demographics that you're attacking and the campaigns that you're running and the channels that you're using. And by looking at the relative sales velocity between those different go-to-market activities, you can quickly get a sense of what's working and what's not working. But I think it's important that you have to firstly put that stake in the ground and have agreement across the executive and go-to-market team of what the potential is, what the bet is, where the focus is, and then provide that baseline measurement and iterate against it. And as you do so, see what's working and what's not working and make adjustments. Well, when it comes to dimension, you know, the, the success is relatively easy to, to measure, right? It's right. how many qualified leads are you going to generate? So leads that at the end of the day make it for MQL, SQL, become an opportunity, and then hopefully they, they become at sale. From, from, a, from an awareness perspective, what you just said, that equation, is that really what you're using to identify you know, am I investing enough in, in, in rent awareness activities or should I do more? What is the impact on if I invest more in, in each of those activities over if I pull back? Ultimately, pipeline contribution is the metric I like to use and sales velocity is the way I measure the effectiveness of, of pipeline contribution because if you're contributing enough pipeline, it's a great place to be when you're in marketing because sales is happy management's happy, the board is happy, and the marketing team gets to go do all the fun, innovative things that are uh, exciting, right? But it can't be the only thing. You do have to measure the top of the funnel. And it does get pretty hard. I mean, things like share of voice and surveys and being able to define the edges of your, of your TAM and of your SAM and understanding your ability to reach them it can't, it's not always perfectly quantitative. There are some qualitative elements to it, and it takes some discipline and some number of metrics that vary depending on the target market and the way you reach and engage the, that audience. But you, you do have to have those leading indicators much higher in, in the funnel to understand how effective your awareness is. Yeah, that's where it's interesting because you start to combine, you know, the the science with the with the art, and it hasn't been completely solved or or figured out. So there's a a lot of gray area there where there's opportunity for marketing to set themselves apart and do some interesting things. So how do you then approach the investment level? How do you define that? How do you define whether you know ten thousand dollars? In, in awareness is is enough to move the needle on a you know in the lower part of the funnel and therefore drive demand, or whether you have to go and spend a hundred thousand. Yeah, that's a very good question. So ultimately, I do like the LTV CAC and sales velocity equations because if your LTV CAC ratio is below three or four, and you're not seeing the, the sales velocity in your in your target market because your sales cycle's too long, your win rate too too low, then you don't have the awareness you need or the product market fit that you need to be viable and scalable. And that does depend on the maturity of the business as well. The less mature businesses, you need to invest to win those first customers. And often that's 
through personal networks and through direct outreach and field marketing efforts. And as you build that cohort of initial customers, you need to make sure that they can help spread the word, that they can be your advocates, that they can uh, support you with a, with a high uh, NPS score. So I think it's a combination of understanding, you know, are you spending too much to acquire that new customer based on the maturity of your business? And is it taking too long? So when you start to see that, then you can understand that more investment needs to be made on the awareness side. Again, it's not an exact science, but there are certain accepted metrics with regard to LTV cats that can help pave the way and also your NPS store. I can remember I was working for a startup that since been sold last year for more than 11x. So I was quite happy to see that in terms of the revenue multiple. But I can remember having a conversation with the CEO when I was running marketing and he was pushing me to invest in sales and marketing and start ramping up the demand gen uh, pipeline and the demand gen spend and demand gen efforts. And I was <laughs> as constructively as possible pushing back because our NPS score, while it was okay, it was in the 20s. I really like to get an NPS above, above 40, above 50, because at that point you can really scale. And I knew that the value we were presenting to our existing customers uh, the story they loved, but the value we were following through of through with on the product didn't quite match the story we were telling based on the follow-up interviews we had with those MTS um, conversations. So we knew, I knew, our team knew that we needed to round out the product to deliver the value that our story says that said that we were going to deliver. And then the demand gen would be a lot more efficient because if you're delivering a new product that's not matching the value that you're speaking to and salespeople are not going to be as efficient, they're going to have to spend more time doing support. They're going to have to spend more time troubleshooting issues or giving discounts and it slows down the, the sales velocity. So that's, that's uh, one, one example. Yeah. I think if you don't do much, much explanation, you know, in top or in the middle part, then as you said, the people that actually then pick up the phone and start talking to to the leads have to do that job basically, and that takes basically more time for them to close um, or to, to move people down the funnel. What are some execution tax tactics that you like to use um, to generate awareness? Yeah, so I've uh, shared two of them. Uh, one, I'm a big fan of sales campaigns, and I structure structure them very simply. So define that target market you want to go after, build the list using data providers, create messaging with a hook, and then build sequences for sales to follow with marketing warm-up and marketing support. And every month, you can deliver a nice, shiny object to sales that is a variation on that target market and the messaging and the hook to engage that target market. And every month you can vary the channels that you use to warm up that target market as well. Something else I've seen work really well are these floor days with sales where you see sales and marketing collaborating either in a monthly 
or every other week basis to energize the team, create some rivalry within the team to generate as many meetings as possible. And then you start to see from the bottom up, from the individual members within the sales team, the individual members within the marketing team, what combination of marketing air cover and sales positioning and templates and tactics work. And you just iterate that month over month with different channels, different tweaks on the messaging, different incentives, different promotions, but ultimately targeting that target market. And it's really interesting. I've been at a couple of companies where I've seen that tipping point where a sales development rep or a salesperson calls a prospect and the prospect already knows who the company is. And everything changes. When a salesperson is talking to a prospect and they have to explain what the company is, what the product is, what, what they do, everything, it's just a lot more work. Uh, but seeing a tipping point when the prospect already knows who you are and understands the value, it's, uh, it really, really makes a big difference. And then the other element or the other area I like is looking at how your product or service teams can support that journey. So this idea of reciprocity. And uh, we, we see this, I, I don't know, I'm sure you've been exposed to it, uh, Stefan, when you get those LinkedIn requests or those physical mail packages, which offer, you know, $100 or $500 gift card for, for a meeting. But I think based on your persona, getting creative and really engaging how they think and being targeted in how you reach them uh, can have a lot of effect. There was one uh, company I, I worked with. They uh, were targeting chief financial officers and their accounting and finance team. And they had an ABM campaign or account-based marketing campaign. But, of course, they had a targeted list of companies and personas. But uh, they sent out these mugs, and they called them their pun mugs. And on the mug was just a simple statement saying, it's a cruel world. It's a cruel world. So, of course, in finance, accruals are a big deal. Uh, and it's a little bit of finance humor that's very specific to finance. And it's one of those things where everybody wanted this pen mug. And I think that's a, a great way and a cost-effective way, but also a smart and engaging way where it shows that you understand the persona, you care about the persona, and that resonates with, with people, not just here's a $500 gift card. So I think those are a couple of tactics that can work well in engaging the audience and having the audience see that you care about their pain and helping them uh, be successful. Yeah. I think what you just said a second ago is kind of the answer why you should do brand awareness activity. You said, you know, when you have a prospect that's knowing you, that's knowing your product, that's knowing your service, that's knowing your company, they are much more inclined if they engage with you in the later stages to actually move ahead in the pipeline. If you have someone that, you know, because you only focus on dimension, um, that, that you hit at that point that doesn't know anything about you, that needs to do their discovery themselves, so air quotes themselves, it's going to be a much, much harder process to convince them, you know, unless they have a really pain point and in your conversation you're able to identify that and you can convey very easily why your product is is the one to to eliminate the issue right but i think when you said that for me it was like that's exactly what you should do for awareness to a certain extent yeah uh, absolutely no that is a it's a really visceral tipping point when the 
floor, the sales floor, the SDR team can experience that. It's, there's, there's an energy that that creates. And you also see an associated spike in uh, organic SEO related to brand branded keywords. So you, you can see that start to happen. Yeah, yeah. Now, Angus, before we, before we come to an end uh, of today's podcast uh, episode, do you have any last tips or takeaways that you want to share with the audience? Sure. I just like to reinforce what we talked about in terms of the market segmentation. Everybody understands its personas with pain points, but the harder part is, do they talk to each other? And I think that's so critical uh, when, when trying to achieve that flywheel effect and getting your customers to truly be advocates for you. If your target prospects aren't talking to each other, you're not getting that multiplier effect. And then the second thing I've, I've learned from a couple of mentors, and it's a phrase that really stuck with me, is when you understand the product market fit and the conversations you want to have relative to the market needs and pains and your ability to uniquely satisfy them, think of conversations. Because if you can own that conversation within the market, then you can own the market. Thank you so much for joining me on the Performance of Our Podcast and uh, sharing your thoughts on awareness and, and why you should invest in awareness. If people want to find out more about you, um, about Chief Outsiders, how can they get in touch? Sure. Um, I encourage folks to look me up on LinkedIn and I'm just Angus R1. That's the number one. Or you can visit us on chiefoutsiders.com. Perfect. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you like the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.